first reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, reading from chapter 15 and starting from verse 11. The parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And the second reading is taken from 1 John 1, chapter 1, and reading from verse 5 through to chapter 2 and verse 11. And the passage is headed, Walking in the Light. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. If anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to his Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his command. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. If anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. 
Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing to you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. Thank you very much, Duncan. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we honor you. You are God and there's no one like you. We pray, Father, Lord Almighty, that you will speak to us even now. That your word, Lord, will be made alive. We pray, Father, Lord Almighty, that you will release the anointing upon us to receive from you that, Lord Almighty, which you have prepared for us today. And we ask, Lord, our heart to be made open, our spirit receptive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I did say earlier that the word for this morning is the power of repentance. Last week, throughout last week, we had a week of prayer. And last Sunday, we had time to come together. In fact, Saturday, first of all, and then Sunday, we came together to conclude the prayers. And by the end of that, I was just thinking, you know, something was just somehow, the background, just thinking, is there something that is missing? I don't know. You know, God, is there something missing? And then during the week, one of us said, I think there's something that was missing, you know, over that week. And that is, we didn't have an opportunity to actually come to God in repentance as a people. And I said, oh, wow. So God, that is what the confirmation is really about, what was missing. And then when Dave was not able to, you know, um, take up preaching for this morning because of all the things I've explained earlier that's happening, and I just had that particular urge, that is what I'm talking about. That is why I want you now to talk about repentance. Now, why repentance? Because you're talking to, like somebody saying you're, you're, you're talking to the converted. You know, uh, why should we be talking about repentance in the church? If you look at scripture, repentance is more like a rudimental kind of you know, doctrine just for beginners, isn't it? Because when you repent, that's the first step into coming to Christ. But when we come into Christ and we are children of God, does it mean that we are totally, totally free from error? I'm asking the congregation, are we totally free from error? Is anyone here who is in the past week 
that they have not taken any false step, they haven't made any mistake at all. I think we all will be honest to say, in one way or the other, we have misspoken, we have misstepped, we have miscalculated all the misses of all kinds. We have done it. Some of us have done all of them. Some of us have done a few of them. Some of them have done most of them. Whatever it is, so far as you're a human being, you are prone to error. And that's what it's saying in First John. If anyone says they have no sin, they are what? Lying. Because why? We are human. And if we are human, it means we are prone to mistakes. And so when it says, if anyone comes to God, let them be honest. That's what it, it takes for us to come to God. Who sees everything anyway? You know, the psalmist says in Psalm 139, if I close myself in darkness, you see darkness because it's like daylight before you. You know, sometimes we pretend, but our pretension cannot take away God's knowledge of who we are. That we all need to realize that when we stand before God, we are naked. No wonder in Genesis, God said, Adam, where are you? Adam was hiding. And when Adam couldn't hide anymore, he said, yeah, I am. I'm naked. So God said, who told you you're naked? You know, the eyes of God had seen already. And he began to feel the guilt of what he had done, disobeying God and not allowing God to actually accomplish his purpose in his life. Um, at this time, just, just give me a moment. Um, Graham, please, if you can raise the volume a bit because we are catching uh, on uh, Facebook from the air, not streamed through from system. Good. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, if you could go back a bit more. That's good. Right. So, what I was saying at the point is, as the human beings we are, we are open before God. There's nothing you and I could do and we think God doesn't know. Even when we try to cover it up by thinking we are very clever, but actually God has seen and known what we've done. Last month, December, I was woken from sleep. And I was so shaken. And I realized that I was actually crying. And I was wondering, what is this? I was crying from the dream I had. And in that dream, what happened was, I just heard a kind of groaning. And I was wondering what was going on. I know how God speaks to me anyway. And so I began to have that sense that the Spirit of God, you see when the Bible says that when we ought to pray and we don't know how to pray, that the Spirit of God does what? Prays through us with what? Groaning and sighing. And that night, in that dream, I felt the Spirit of the Lord praying in me and through me in groaning and sighing. And that translated then in me waking up in that 
And I shook me and I said, look at what I have just experienced just now. So what was God saying to me? Oh, okay, I'll leave it there because there are things that, you know, sometimes when God gives us revelation, it's just, it's, it's just for us to go with. But the generality of it, just when God begins to go that way, it means there's something that God is not happy about. You know, there's something God is, you know, something agitating. And so I began to say, God, please have mercy. What is it? You know, sometimes the psalmist will write, they say, God, you know, deliver me from unknown things. Because sometimes we can look and say, okay, I ticked this box, I ticked this box. But do you know the other box you have not ticked before God? And meanwhile, who is ticking the box? Yourself, isn't it? We are ticking the box. But is God ticking the box for us? Is God saying, well done? Because ultimately, that's the biggest tick box we'll get at the end of the day when God will say to you and I, well done, faithful word, servant, for the work you have done. Which means ultimately, you and I, we are responsible to he who has called us. Whatever we do, we are all answerable to him, accountable to him. And so it means that if I am awake or asleep, I should always be sure that before God I stand clear and clean. Not because of my righteousness, but by the work of Jesus Christ. And not only that, but my unconscious decision to go the way of God. I had a few notes here about, you know, what we're talking about, the power of repentance. And, you know, I began to think exactly what repentance is not. Because sometimes we can mix repentance with remorse. To feel remorse is you are sorry about something, you're not happy about something, but that is it. But repentance is going further, and let's use a scripture example. Two people, Peter and Judas. You remember when Judas betrayed Jesus, he went back with the 30 pieces of silver to those who gave it to him and said, I am sorry, I have sinned against an innocent Lord. Here is your money. Now, the devil knows how to send people to an errand and abandon them when the time comes. And the people say, come on, take your money, we'll finish with you, have no business with you. They have used him and they are dumping him. And so Judas, remorse, but was he repentant? No. Because he went away with the remorse, but he wasn't before God saying, God, forgive me. And what was the next thing? His remorse led him to take his own life, which is very, very sad. Now, look at Peter. Peter has something that is, in my view, apart from this guy, Judas, taking money and betraying Jesus, but Peter did similarly deny Jesus. 
Now, Peter's own is, he was actually warned. You know, we were told to be forewarned is to be forward armed. But when Peter was warned he was going to deny Jesus, what did Peter say? He said, never, I will not. In fact, he was arguing with Jesus. Can you imagine that? Judas didn't argue with Jesus, even though, you know, in his cleverness, you know, in quotes, he was asking Jesus, is it me? Is it me? But he knew what he was going to do. But Peter challenged Jesus, said, Jesus, no, I will never do that. Don't say that again. And Jesus told him again, before the cock crows, you will deny me. Peter faced this crowd. And a little girl came to Peter and said, Peter, I know you. I know you very well. You are the man who was with this man. Peter said, come on, shut up your mouth. He was trying to trash this girl. I don't know him. I don't know him. And then the little girl went away. And a man was probably looking at Peter. No, 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 no. I know you. I know you. I know you. You are the man. You are the one who always was his right-hand man. Peter said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this man. Three times that night. And there was Jesus being flogged. There was Jesus being mistreated. And Peter was here denying him. Nobody forced him to go to that courthouse. He could have just been at home. But here he was because he was going by his own strength. I will never deny you. Never. Not me. And so when we go by our strength, we are only making ourselves more vulnerable. So repentance is not just remorse. Repentance is also not just regret because regret and remorse, yes, Oh, yeah, I regret it. Oh, you know, I regret what I've done. But do you say sorry? These my little friends, if I ask them, if someone does anything wrong, what would you do? I'm sure they will quickly say, to say, I am what? Sorry. And so, Peter does all of this, and Jesus still comes and restores him. Sometimes people go the step of doing what is called restitution. You know what restitution is? I stole this money from you. And I come back and say, I'm sorry, please, this is your money. I'm sorry I took this money. That's restitution. You're restoring what you took. But if that person is not repentant, tomorrow they will look for another opportunity, if not from the same person, but from another source to do what? To steal. Because why? They are not repentant. It was a momentary thing. Decision. Okay, I'm sorry. Let me take this step. Which is what the church was doing. That people began to pay for their own salvation. And people like Martin Luther couldn't take it anymore. Don't mix Martin Luther Germany with Martin Luther King Jr. in the U.S. I know a lot of people do it. But it's a time of reformation. When 400 years ago, Martin Luther stood and said, if we want salvation, it has to be through Scripture alone, through Christ alone, and through faith alone. And by grace are we saved alone, not by any works that we do. 
And he stood firm. And the church came against him and said, no, except you convince me through scripture that this is wrong, this is where I stand. He stood his ground. Because the church was beginning to look at the thing of restitution. But you know what the church was doing at that time? The restitution was people coming to pay into the church. So it wasn't really about people repenting, but actually the church, in quotes, making money out of people's remorse and regret. And then they would say to you, well, if you want God to forgive your sins, you're going to kneel and crawl on your knees to Asda and come back. And God will forgive your sin. Never did this say so in scripture. Because people were trying to make rules for themselves that God did not make. That will not change God's mind. You know, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are many scriptures that talk about, you know, repentance that I'll find hard to go through. But repentance is really, if you look at it from scripture, it's about turning around. It has to do. You know, some people say 360 degrees. Now, what's 360 degrees? I'm facing you. 360 degrees. I'm facing you again. That's 360 degrees turn. But that's not repentance. It means you have turned and going back to the same direction. But maybe more like 180 degrees, you know, and you're facing the opposite way that you were coming from, running away from God. So repentance is about turning. It means there's a deliberate decision, a conscious decision in your heart. And you're saying, God, I am sorry. And not only I am sorry and I regret what I have done, but I'm going to take an action led by the Holy Spirit to turn to Jesus. I go back to the source of salvation, Jesus. And I'm saying to him, forgive me for what I have done wrong. Forgive me for how I have hurt my brother or hurt my sister. Forgiveness, you know, remember sometime last year we, we had that talk about the danger of unforgiveness. So when people are feeling that they cannot forgive you for what you've done wrong to them, it means then they are looking themselves as being righteous, and indeed they are in fact God's. But it's only God who can forgive. But we have to respond because we have been forgiven, and we have to turn to God in repentance. So that brings us then to our reading, Luke chapter 15. And that is the good story of the prodigal son. We know it very well. But in that chapter, there are three stories. The story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the lost son. Those three stories were all about lostness, somebody missing their way or missing something. And here, the prodigal son, we're not going to go deep into that. But it was about the prodigal son deciding to himself, what am I going to do? He came to his father and he took wealth from the father, went to a far country. He went there and squandered everything. And when he has finished squandering everything, he now sat back and was thinking, what am I going to do? Remember, when the devil gives someone something to do and they do it, the devil does what? Abandons them to their own devices. 
If somebody is trying to steal, the devil is pushing the person, temptation to steal. And when they have stolen, the devil goes and calls the police, go and see that thief there. And they arrest the person, and they put the person in jail. And the person is still saying, I don't want to be a Christian, I want to turn my life to Christ. And they are suffering the consequences of their sins. And so this young man, he made up his mind one day because he had struggled and struggled to make ends meet. He, even though people he was working for were not giving food. I don't know what kind of employer they were, but they were so wicked that they weren't giving food. But he says, sometimes God allows some things to happen in our lives so that he will steer us the right way. When that was happening to him, he came back to his senses. And he said, what am I doing here? In my father's house, there are many servants, and these servants have enough food to eat. They are not begging to eat the crumbs, stuff less eating the fodder given to animals. This young man was living the life of an animal. And so, he made up his mind, said, I will go back to my father. That's the beginning of repentance. Decision to make up your mind to go back. Sometimes people stop it by blaming. They say, oh, yeah, it's not me. It's him, it's her. Oh, yes, it's not, you know, blaming and blaming. And we live in a blame culture, don't we? You know, nobody wants to accept it. But then, yes, this young man came to his senses. And he said, I'm going home. And he began that journey. He didn't only have that regret, the remorse, remember? But he took an action to go back home. And as he was going home, remember the father he would have thought has forgotten him, hadn't forgotten him. I can imagine every day the father will be looking out in the horizon. Where is my son? And that's how God is crying out to us. Where is my son? Where is my daughter? And God is saying, I'm waiting for them to come back. And they are going the wrong way. And God is looking out in the horizon and saying, where are they? And here the son was coming home. Oh, in their culture, the elders don't stand up for the young people. Same thing in my culture where I come from. When you are sat in a place and an older person comes, immediately nobody will tell you. You just jump up and allow the older person to sit. And so this young man, in his culture, the older people are the ones who will sit and wait for the you know, younger ones to come and serve. But the father saw him. Oh, he knew his son. He said, that is my son. And he got up. People were looking at him. What is he doing? He got up and ran out and was going for him. Until he met him and he embraced him. He said, son, welcome back home. Hallelujah. Welcome back home. And he received him. And said, come home. He didn't wait for him to even say, I'm sorry. The boy was still speaking. He said, come on, let's go home. He took him home that day. And there was celebration. And the Bible said there will be celebration in heaven over one sinner that repents. A million people can stay and say, we don't need God. No, I'm right. I'm fine. But that one person who turns to God, that day there's celebration in heaven. Amen. And so this young man turned to the Lord. And he said, I am so sorry. Oh, it reminds me last year, remember we did the book of Nehemiah in chapter 1. You remember when Nehemiah was praying for the sin of Israel. He said, God, we are sorry. He didn't just say they did this. You know, we, 
all of us, we did it. Say, God, sorry. We have offended you. We have stood your way. We have frustrated your work. Your word that you gave us, we have refused to obey. All of that he was confessing to God. You know, someone once said, no, but I can't pray that prayer because it's not me who did that. I said, no, it's a prayer of identification. He's also recognizing his own frailty. He's also recognizing his own sin. He's also putting himself in that place. And that's the place of intercession. In the place of intercession, you must identify with the people you are interceding for. You can't intercede for somebody you have no connection with. Because you must put yourself in that place where you begin to say, God, this is our sin. Forgive us as a nation. So it comes with renunciation. Repentance comes with renunciation. It's not only regret, but you renounce what you have done. You say, Lord, I am sorry. I will not do it again. And finally, transformation. Because the Bible says anyone who is in Christ is what? A new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what? New. And so John reminds us. Don't ever say, I have not sinned. Because you don't know your ways. But come to God and say, God, have I sinned? Have mercy on me in any way. By my words, by my actions. And so for Christ Church moving ahead in this year, we want to say, God, whatever it is with the past year, whatever it is with my past life, from today, Lord, I'm turning back to you. Lord, take away, wipe away all of this. You know, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a time of cleansing. Our goal is God is calling us to as a church, as individuals, where you can say to God, cleanse my heart. Renew me, Lord. Oh, that is what is leading us to Psalm 100 and... Um, Psalm 51, actually. Psalm 51, if you have your Bible, and if Peter could help us put it up there in case you don't have your Bible, and all of us will be seeing, you know, Psalm 51. That was the psalm of David praying, a psalm of repentance, a psalm of confession. And I just want us all, silently, but consciously, and deliberately to pray this prayer together. As we look at this Psalm 51, we're going to pray through Psalm 51 because he says, even God, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Because he knew sin separates us from the Spirit of God. No matter how we say we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, come on. Sin will do what? Frustrate. The Bible says, do not quench the spirit, which means sin can quench. It's like water. You pour on fire and you quench it. When there's fire, we call the fire service, don't we? Oh, wow. Some Christians are a fire service against the spirit of God. And they are quenching the spirit of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, if the Lord is speaking to you today, and for every one of us here, and we stand both for ourselves 
and for our brothers and sisters in this church. And we're going to pray together. Shall we? Let's go. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be cleansed. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my transgressions, iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. Amen. I didn't think it was necessary today to say anybody, if you feel there's something to confess before God, raise your hand or come forward. No, it's all of us here this morning being honest before God. To say, God, take away anything that's standing between us and you. And Lord Almighty, renew us by your spirit. And so, Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for obeying you. Thank you, Father, Lord Almighty, for speaking to our hearts. Like the prodigal, we recognize the places where we have sinned, where we have allowed gossip, where we have acted to divide, where, Lord Almighty, we have lived in disobedience, where, Lord Almighty, we may have unknowingly undermined your own work in this church where, Father, Lord Almighty, we have not given our best to you, where we have reserved, O oh God Almighty, instead of giving everything, where, Lord, we may have had 
controlling attitude. And so, Lord Almighty, this morning we pray, forgive us. Even in our own private lives, in our families, anyhow we have sinned against you, Lord, forgive us. Renew us. Lord, take us back to yourself. We know like the prodigal father, the prodigal father, you are waiting to receive us, to embrace us in your love. So, Lord, we come back to you today. Give us the joy of your salvation. Yes, Lord, we're not going home with regret. We're going home free. We're going home, Lord, restored. We're going home justified by faith in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. Be exalted, ancient of days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And let the people of God say, Amen.